Hello and welcome back to Mana on the Rocks. Uh, it is I, your bald host, Joe. Uh, joining me today, I have my wonderful co-host, Atlas. Hello, everyone. And today, we got a fun one. We're talking about deck building philosophy. What would Aristotle play in Commander? I don't know. Uh, would uh, I can't think of any other philosophers, but I'm sure that they would enjoy playing Wizard Squares with the boys. So come on down. Have a drink. So deck building philosophies. Um, I'm not... It's a... It's a very broad topic. Yeah, I, I I had issues kind of brainstorming it um the other day, just like okay, well, what are what are like deck building philosophy topics? Like what what is what does that mean? I have like kind of a list of stuff. Okay, what what are those ideas? Because I'd love to hear what you have. So um I have like uh so just just things I wrote down um singular win cons versus multiple win cons, uh, synergistic cards and staples, choosing your win con, uh, how much tech is too much tech, dorks versus rocks. Uh, what slash how many light slash asymmetrical stacks pieces are available to the given deck? Uh, are there niche or synergistic interaction pieces that are available for your particular strategy? Uh, a plus B combos and layered versus just A plus B combos. And then what changes do you consider when building something that's aggro, mid-range, or control? So let's let's start with that one. What what makes a player want to build aggro, mid-range, or control? So there, the, as we we've talked about a couple of things, in the past about how like people have different play styles and mm-hmm. it comes up, comes up in our discussions when, when we chit chat about um, like, Oh, I'm thinking about including this card or I want to play this deck with this, like this like type of play. And then, and we, we talk about how like some people perform uh, better using this style of deck versus that style of deck uh, based upon what their, their typical play patterns are, like what their default personality like shifts to. Um, so I'm a I'm a little bit of an anime nerd. So uh, I was comparing it with one of our other friends uh, when we were one of these days, uh, most recently when we were breaking it down, and we br- we brought it up to for anyone who's familiar with Hunter Hunter. Um, oh baby! Basically, Ooh, they, baby. Have these, they have yeah right yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but they they have these like magic power things that they can do. Um, but you have like different schools of magic. Um, uh, yeah, there, there so are it's called yeah. Men, there are six but, different yeah. like overarching types of essentially magic that you have available to you yeah and you have a you have a a innate like biological um disposition that you're born with and you can learn stuff from other schools but you'll never quite be as good with those other schools magic as um as you will with whatever your your predisposition is right and so it was funny because we were comparing that we're like man i wish there was just a test that you could take because there's there's like a test you can take with a glass of water in the show or whatever water divination. that tells you what your predisposition is yeah water divination that's what it's called and so but we were like wouldn't it be cool if we could just take a test and figure out what our predispositions are to play for deck archetypes whether it's like control like mid-range uh sorry sorry like control stacks mid-range or turbo fast decks and wouldn't that be really neat because those all play a little differently and people all have like certain like unconscious leanings that they have so that was that was one of the things that we were talking about when we were getting started on this discussion about like deck deck building philosophies and play styles mm-hmm. and things like that and it definitely like choosing that overarching like archetype influences a lot of your decisions so like if you're playing i guess so the issue with like kind of the usual like card game triangle as it were of control aggro and mid-range 
is aggro is not quite what it is in like 60 card formats you know you think aggro yeah, in very different or almost very different non-existent or it just attacks on a completely different axis that is unique to commander specifically just because the way to go fast in commander is hardly ever creature beats it's occasionally creature beats it's com it's like commonly in like certain strategies uh think like zada uh winota uh, though, though uh, Yuriko, to some extent, those decks I would classify as aggro, but also in a world where it's turbo, I'd consider that, like, you know, like a, a specifically turbo-tuned, like, Rogside list or a pick a Grixis deck that's, like, skewed towards aggro or skewed towards comboing ASAP, trying to run out their gnaws, I would also consider that kind of under the umbrella of aggro. So, it, and aggro, is, aggro specifically, I think, is so underexplored and underdeveloped just because it attacks on a completely unique axis instead of 20 life on your opponents there is 120 life that you have to deal with or you have to be able to navigate through <clears throat> excuse me uh through like uh like heavy interaction or uh, the prevalence of stacks uh changes that entirely i would definitely consider like the only two like I guess I can think of three aggro decks, as it were, uh, off the top of my head. And these are the only ones that I can think of are Winota, for yep, sure. Because she's going to beat the fuck out of you. Your life total becomes zero as soon as possible, and you can't take any game actions through nope. stacks. Um, then there was Yuriko, which also, it's it's unique because it's like it's reducing your life total through a triggered ability versus like actually hitting you. But it is trying to reduce your life total from 40 to zero as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. But it's a little... I wouldn't quite call it aggro because it's a little more unique. It's like it's more of like a tempo style where you're sticking one thing and that one thing is Yuriko, and then you're just riding those triggers to victory, getting them every turn and playing control in the meanwhile. It's like more of like a traditional tempo in the traditional sense. It's, it's very it's very close to like Legacy Delver in a way. Yeah, in a way for sure. And then the last one I could think of would be like Najila. Is like that's not really like what she aims to that's, do necessarily. That's, no, that's, that's true, but that's like a huge like. But that's like, that's like yeah, a, that is her game plan. Plan B, like if you're not able to stick something early, or you're able to get like some crazy advantage early, like your your game plan is turning sideways Make with Najila. <laughs> what's the math like? Make warrior hit. What's, what's the math like? Uh, I think like five or six combats with Najila kills the table. I think yeah. If you're if you're uninterrupted, yeah, uninterrupted. we're gonna get we're gonna get harassed by a Najila player who knows better than us out there. I, I, but I'm if you're uninterrupted, I think after your first swing, uh, you only need to take four extra combats off the top of my head i think that's correct i think you need four extra combats to assign lethal mm -hmm. um if you're if no one interacts with any of your warriors if no one blocks anything i think you need four right because it goes attack you get four damage um and two guys attack you get four guys and eight damage that's two combats and then and then attack again you get eight guys and one player can it should be at like what it's like four eight twelve so 20 so another player okay so i guess i guess it's five or six yeah it's probably because five it's six. it's um it's exponential starting at two uh Nijila makes the math a little different just because it's not a value of one that you're working with it's a value of three but yeah, yeah i think exponentially what uh two i'm not gonna do the math right now we're, we're not yeah gonna... not 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 different place yeah, different time, but i think it's five actually, it should be five or six yeah, but like roughly five to six combats will get you there and that's from 40 if people are lower they can die much sooner. absolutely and then you know uh, so many other things can interrupt that 
but yeah and that, and that's just like you know the aggro style of things but even still like under the aggro umbrella like you're going to choose different uh like forms of interaction specifically versus something like control uh, i see like a lot of mid-range or even slightly controlly decks playing cards like dispel and miscast and while i don't hate the idea of miscast i think dispel is mostly like a turbo card like that is that is specifically a card that you run to protect your your breach and your adnaws specifically to me i don't know as a control player i've really liked to spell when you're fighting turbo decks because they're like oh yeah i'll dispel this and you're like oh, oh yeah dispel your that's, spell. That, or it's like yeah. like most of the spell hits most of the turbo players win conditions true so true I don't know, I I, and, and not to say like uh, this card can only be run in the most hardcore of turbo not for strategy sure, for sure. but like i feel like there are more flexible options that you're going to be able to move into rather than dispel. I think it's a great card, but like, I I just don't think it's. I think there I at this point, especially with like offer, you can't refuse. There are just better options. Card's so good. I can't believe I can't believe people are like, oh, giving your opponents two mana. That's hey, terrible. I was, when that I was card one of those people. Spoiled. <laughs> I was like, oh, this will be bad card, God. not Swan Song. Creatures are useless, but treasures are so good. So, yeah, but the treasures aren't good if they have no spells. And that's and that's the thing. Like, it's really good in counter spell wars. Like, it's it's very good in counter spell wars, dependently. But it's it's one of those cards that you get blown out of it like twice in a row, like I did, like two times back to back. I cast the spell, and either that gave them the mana to have the follow up, or that gave them the extra mana they needed to counter the thing that we were fighting over. And I'm just like, oh, this card feels like doo-doo. But there... I feel like it's always... Go for it. I would say I feel like it's always the last counter spell that you use in the war, or it's the first one. I don't feel like you usually use it in between. No, no. I think I think if you're in a counter spell war, it's 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 like awful as your second or third counter. Yeah. But like... It's like you cap, you cap the fight and they have no cards yeah. left, or you start and try and bait them into using that mana so you can like fluster storm them or mm-hmm. something after mm-hmm. the fact. Yeah, but like I, I I think the spell is a fine enough card. I think that they that we have more options of interaction, especially depending on the deck. Like you, you there is a whole breadth of interaction that you can make use of. Um and then there's cards like Miscast. That card is just a turbo card to me. I I hate that card. I've every time I've cast that card, someone's it either like it it's just a spell pierce because they only have one mana anyways, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like that's good. But um, but either it, it's it's a spell pierce that only hits us as sorceries, or they can pay for it and it just doesn't. Yeah. Matter. Um, but I think on the whole, I would much rather play spell pierce than miscast because it's really narrow. That extra one mana, they're either having one or three mana usually because of the way that we can talk about magic numbers in CEDH uh, on a different episode. But um, but usually it's one or three mana or something higher. Um, two isn't really super important, so no. they're. They either pay for it or they or they don't. There's there's not really miscast doesn't provide anything special. It's very limiting. To it, it, it to me it's the fact that it only hits two card types. Granted, they are two of the most represented card types in the format, and I think that there is merit to that point. But then you're staring down a breach, and your only counter spell in hand is a miscast. You're like, you know, spell pierce would have at least taxed mana here. Um, <laughs> you know, would have it would have it would have made the the breach turn a little bit tighter. So I'm just like I I have never personally sleeved up a miscast. Um, in the times that I have played a deck that it has it, I'm just like this card feels so medium. I played it a little bit when it first got printed because it was it wasn't bad for a one no, mana counter no. spell. But then offer got spoiled and I immediately miscast came out of all of my decks and offer went in. Yeah, I, I think at this point there is just not much of a good reason unless you're like blue red. But even then, uh, I feel like. 
there are other like more interesting spells you could play. Uh, maybe not efficient, but also I think there are cards that are just going to prove themselves to be more more worth it over miscast. Well, once again, spell pierce because yeah, like it, that also hits like someone casts a no rod on two or whatever and has no extra mana. You're like, oh, spell pierce that miscast doesn't hit no rod. Yeah, uh, it stops. Uh, it stops like true rule. It stops like enchantment rule of laws. It stops Bolas's citadel. It stops. I don't know random gotcha pieces. It stops birthing pods. That's that's a pretty big one for us. That's huge. That's, that's yeah, huge. Yeah. Is a lot huge. of that in our meta. Uh, kind of p- moving on to like the mid range argument. I feel like mid range is it, it's such the wild west of CDH. You can play that's you can the... play anything and call yourself mid range. People will go, yeah, that seems yeah. fine. That seems good enough. If you're not trying to win the game consistently on turn two, you're a mid range. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're playing like dedicated stacks, and then you're a stack. Stack. Yeah. Everything is mid-range. everything is. Uh, I'm gonna play Tim to Malcolm. I'm playing mid range. I'm gonna play a Kenrith deck. I'm playing mid range. Even though I'm playing, I'm also running ad nauseum. I'm gonna play uh, Calamax. Oh, I'm mid range. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's all mid range. It's, it's just so broad. And I think that's one of the things. It's like mid range means a very specific thing in sixty card formats. And because there's so such a breadth of different like ways diff- to play, different speeds and stuff in in EDH, it's like that that term is very vague. And it it's a lot more useful to sort of like break things down into. I am a I'm a control list, or I am um, I'm playing like a fast combo list, or a, uh, a slower combo list, or um, something that is like something that that was going around for a little while. People were using the terms like proactive, reactive, things like that, and those terms I thought those were pretty good. They caught on for a little bit, but I haven't heard them in yeah, a while. Yeah, they, they've so. definitely fallen out of favor as we've uh, as as I've t- uh, coined it, uh, swirled towards the mid range singularity, where everything is mid range. Anything that any deck that you will create will become mid range. Anything that is mid range will not escape mid range. Mid range is all. You just can't escape it. There's nothing else besides mid range. It's just so good. I'm gonna stick my thing that beats you down two damage at a time, but also draws me a card every time you take a game. Yeah, no, mid range is it's just generally a good spot to be. Uh, just with the way CDH and Commander as a whole like fluctuates table to table, uh, and you know, uh, pod con- composition to pod composition, like having having those tools that are super flexible in a variety of different environments and and game states is so huge, and it lends itself to being like it lends itself to the mid range strategy specifically. I'll I'll pull on the most classic example of mid range, uh, Boomer Jund, uh, one of my favorite decks. <laughs> of all time yeah i don't play modern anymore if you couldn't tell um no but like genuinely there there are hands that you just go cool i i have uh i need to keep you know every interaction spell in the world uh to try and stop you from winning and then eventually i'm just going to find a tarmogoyf and i'm going to turn it sideways six or i'm going to turn it sideways five times five or six times and you're going to die and i my cards are just higher quality than you like whatever you're doing cannot beat a tarmogoyf backed up with a liliana after i've thought seized you I think that's where we got the idea from mid-range, sort of like that high card quality threshold in ADH, where it's like, I'm playing a lot of really good, really versatile spells, mm. and I'm playing like four or five color shell. Yeah, no, and that's and that's become a lot of the like templates and blueprints of EDH, um, uh, it, which is funny, because going into control, I feel like you need that template that like, okay, these are the things that we need to look out for. Uh, that control is able to specifically prey upon and not to say that control can't function but i think control is very much a 
player skill rather than a deck building philosophy and choice i think that there it's I think so hard it's so hard but i think and, I, and there are there are commanders and decks out there that lend itself to controlling strategies very very well uh recently thrasios for thrasios example. for example uh, i've personally been on calamax recently and what calamax lets you do is guarantee that you get one counter spell through on every person's turn if necessary no granted doesn't really happen every single uh time because as any any uh blue loving player wants to try and do in cdh you're not going to have the gas to be able to stop everybody on their turns however if you can guarantee at least one of your counter spells resolves that's usually good enough and uh, having varied forms of interaction lets you be able to interact on different axes so playing a lot more removal or uh, it just helps out. And you're two for one every you're time two, you cast and those you're two for one. And you're able to recoup that cost by a, you know, a bevy of really high quality instant speed cantrips, uh, things like impulse. I'm going to, I'm going to look at the top eight and pick two. That's dig through time, dig through time. I'm going to look at the top 14 and pick four. Uh, I mean, even something as simple as a thrill of possibility, like trading two cards for four cards is pretty good. But it, it's it every every single time I see the topic of control pop propped up, uh, it's usually centered around a deck list, and I don't think that is the correct way to view it. Uh, being able to politic your table, being able to assess the threats, being able to explain your threat assessment and get other people to see your threat assessment, that's where control shines in CDH. I don't think it's necessarily in the cardboard; it's in the holder of the cardboard. Absolutely, I think that's I think that's a really big part of it. Is when you when you put your your counterspell on the stack or you put your silence on the stack or something like that and people people are going oh my god they're trying to win the game lightning rod like things. yeah exactly and it's like well i'm silencing on their turn like i'm just trying to stop them or maybe you're silencing on your turn because you know uh you have a silver bullet for somebody who's sitting across the table from you but you know they have a counterspell because of a git probe or they miscalculated for it or something you're like i'm silencing now so i can guarantee this resolves and sometimes it's it's that style of like I'm just going to show you like X number of cards from my hand, just set them on the table and be like, these are going to be my game actions. This is what I'm going to do. I would appreciate it if you two people don't interact with me or try and back my play here so I can stop like person C from winning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big part of control. It's just like you said, getting other people to see the assessments that you are making and then also being willing to be told that like you're wrong. Um, and then wait, waiting that information, like, if you're like, I am going to be casting a Path to Exile, like, uh, on, on your end step, and I, I want to target um, the, because we're playing at Comp Ariel here, mm -hmm. right? So I want to target this Collector Roof. Um, anyone see a reason why I, I don't shouldn't exile the Collector Roof because it unlocks my Soul Ring and my Mana Crypt, and I really want to use those. But um, if you guys want to fight me on this, that's fine. I don't think that it puts me in a game-winning position um even though it unlocks four mana like maybe i'll be able to activate my thrasios one extra time per turn or something um or uh or like is there something that i'm missing like is there do we know that somebody has a court of calling in hand and there's a lot of dockside fodder on the field am i am i throwing by exiling this things like that i think are, are a really strong tool in a control player's arsenal yeah because uh, it's it's being able i uh, just thought of this it's being able to control the information not necessarily the card absolutely like that's yeah, that's that is, that's where the control has truly... to shine because even with stuff like that like even just getting someone else's perspective of like okay i'm i'm not personally sniffing out anything like who who's smelling something you know yeah that that kind of deal like i have i have i'm not seeing anyone in anything is anyone else picking up vibes that i am missing absolutely and that's that's and that's so huge um 
information really is because if you look at it one of the comparisons that i like to make um uh to some sometimes to people mostly just in my head uh, is i like to compare uh cdh to risk where it's like and risk is a little different because most of the information is on the board um but it's like it's it's global powers fighting right you got your four nations you got your four kingdoms whatever they're attacking each other um and they're like they're getting little skirmishes they're getting into full-on wars but everybody's trying to end up being the global superpower right mm. and so um and so that's why that's why we call it politicking is your little nations and you're trying to negotiate with one another and make deals and make sure that like everyone is like like allied on the correct side that you want them to be on things like that and so so and if you look at like national intelligence agencies and stuff they're the intelligence agencies that's where all the power is if you control the information like you said control the information you control the game yeah and that's and that's consistent across like i think any any major cdh tournament you you hear all about these you know silver-tongued whiz kids that you know are able to do very well even if like i don't know community thinks that deck is mid or whatever um i was listening i don't really i i haven't listened to the cdh podcast in a while but i started venturing out and just trying to see like okay what are some other names out there that i haven't listened to i started listening to sad the other day and we're talking about uh, a particular slicer player and just how good they were at politicking their own slicer i'm like yeah no i can see that it's a potent it's a potent threat that is going to reward someone from being able to control their permanent on other people's turns very well you're mm-hmm. gonna you're gonna get very far with that and that's kind of but you can take that like little nugget of information, kind of spread it to whatever deck and whatever playstyle that you want to do. Yeah, give give somebody else the information, but give them just enough give them just enough rope to hang. Absolutely, and that's and and that's where the great players shine is is giving being able to give people that rope and being able to just tie the noose and have them step right into it and think, oh yeah, no, this is a nice tie that I'm putting on, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, a great example would be. Um, we, I mentioned silence earlier, but if you silence someone else's like game-winning play or it looks like it's game-winning, if you have an instant speed win, just go for it under protection over the top of their win after it's already been stopped. After, all, after, all, the, after all the interaction is is come out because yep. silence is one of those cards that you have to go, team, what a, what what's happening here? You know, like if this resolves, yeah, like yeah. we're locked out. So if we have put, to fight, we have to fight. We have to fight now. Power artifact. Yeah. Yeah. Put my power artifact in the stack targeting my grim model. If you're like in response, silence. Yeah. And everyone's like, all right, sure, yeah. Maybe there's a counterspell. Everyone fights to keep the silence resolving. And then uh, silence resolves. Cool. Court of Calling. <laughs> uh, Calamex trigger. Oh. <laughs> Disgusting. Not that you can cast silence in Calamex, but uh, well, I, that type of deal. I've, uh, I've, I've Narset reversaled it. I don't, I don't think I'm, oh, God. I don't think I'm currently on Narset's reversal. That's disgusting. Yeah, no, I like Narset's reversal in the deck. Uh, I keep I keep swapping around uh, that particular slot in the deck. I was I am on remand currently, and then the thought hit me like, wait, this isn't this card doesn't work with Calamax the way I want it to. So it's probably going to come out for a different uh, different counter spell. But uh, one of the things that we touched on in our first episode, uh, win cons, I think, is a huge part of the deck building kind of philosophy uh, i'm a big believer in your your commanders dictate so much of what your win cons should look like to an almost frightening degree i think any 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 commander that's able to make use of a like particularly unique win con is generally like a, on some level a decent idea malcolm malcolm for example i think is a, a fantastic example of that glenhorn buccaneer is a throwaway rare from i think m21 but with Malcolm specifically in the command zone, 
um, Malcolm's a one card. It essentially makes that deck a one card combo pile. Mm -hmm. And then you stack that on with, you know, uh, other commonly used win cons. And like, that's that's how most of the Malcolm X decks operate is is through that particular philosophy. And it's such a potent, potent strategy that I don't I don't see a lot of decks borrow that philosophy from because I think a lot of people really want to play their Timnas and their Croms. Thrasios gets a pass here because it is an outlet in the command zone. And same same thing with Jessica, too. Uh, commanders that are outlets in the command zone are also just very, very powerful because if you're a deck that wants to make infinite mana, or at least a very large amount of it, those commanders are going to, at the very least, be your value outlets for spilt over mana or your way to find your actual way to win the game. Usually, like, I don't know, pick an A plus B combo in a, in a color that works. Uh, be that, you know, Thorpal Consult, uh, Twin Flame Dualcaster, uh, Saw Dualcaster, you know, those kinds of things. Absolutely. I, um, and and just because uh, a, a commander dictates your your win condition doesn't necessarily mean that your win condition is dependent on that commander, no, right? No. So, like, talk, talked about Thrasios, and once again, we'll talk about Sinks are a little different, but those, they're going to make infinite mana and they're going to sink it to the command zone. There are tons of other things you can do with infinite mana other than sink it to the command zone. You can X a finale for 300, you can, like, uh, you can use, the in the old days, we would use buyback spells, you make infinite mana, and you, like, buyback your cap size or whatever so i you know personally again. i've been looking at cap size <laughs> and i'm just like this card's kind of spicy dude that card slaps i it, it, i hate that it's three mana but i also kind of like it. it it's it's just in that sweet spot where it's a lot of mana but if you're able to like i don't know double it dinosaur maybe it's pretty good it's pretty good so you're paying six you're getting two cap sizes and you get to be to cap size again next time disgusting you just disgusting. Yeah, so you're paying. You're paying for both. You're paying. Just pay. You're just casting. You're just casting two sizes. of them, and it's generally yeah, going to be uncounterable because who's going to waste two counter spells on a cap size? Yeah. God, the dinosaur's so yeah, gross. No, I. Uh, I love the dinosaur. It's is is great. I saw. I I looked the other. I looked this morning because I wanted to see what the list on the database has been doing. It has been moved off and into the outdated section. Yeah, I don't even. I don't think that's necessarily because because the, the list isn't unviable by any no, stretch. God, but no. they have that requirement about like it's, if it's not it, updated in X amount of time. Yeah, no, it's it's. I'm pretty sure it fell to like it just not being upkept. But I also don't fucking care what's on the database and what's not on the database. Well, yeah. I care enough to stroke my ego a little bit and kind of drive me <laughs> forward. But truthfully, I do not care about what is on the database or not we can save the database talk for another episode we, <laughs> that's a whole that's just a rant yeah session. that's that's a that's a whole rant session but no i was just i was just curious because i was just kind of looking for ideas like is there like other things that i'm not considering uh well ha actually that, that's a that's a great segue um my my version of calamax is substantially different than what was on like the database proper uh the database proper build uh is very focused on getting intuition out to make use of very insane uh breach piles because with calamax you get to look at three cards twice and pick two of them uh one for each intuition um, so you set up some stupid piles, usually by abusing um, a lot of regrowth type effects to make your quote unquote true piles, um, which I think is a decent way to build the deck. However, I think there are a lot of better cards to be playing um, that are just overlooked. Uh, Paradise Lost kind of fills the slot for all of those regrowth effects very well. And it's in one card and it frees up like six slots for the deck to run more mid-range pieces, more combo pieces, more control pieces. Hey, mid-range. Yeah, like, it just just more slots. Uh, and I think the Breach version is very good at utilizing Intuition as a one-card wind pile, but you lose a lot of that flexibility and a lot of that deck-building slot. 
because you have a you have a one card win pile um, with with just one yeah, card. Yeah, no, cord lines. Um, there are there are several lines that the deck is able to make use of. Uh, two primarily. Uh, one is through getting dual caster twin flame by doing shenanigans with the cord on the stack. Um, the other kind of assembles uh, spellseeker kitten combos, and it's just it's just a very different way to play the deck. But they're, they're, they 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 diverge from different deck building philosophies of okay, we're going to use intuition as just a really good one card win pile that's very mana efficient and finding breach one of the most commonly used ways to win the game versus me, which is more reactive, more creature based, more interaction focused. It's that step one, step it's, two. It's, right? that, we're step, it, that last it's the step one, step two. Everything everything ties together to each other. Yeah, if you're if you're fo- you can focus your deck on either performing step two after you perform a very short step one, or you can like tune your deck towards more of like performing a more extended step one to make sure you don't lose the mm-hmm. game, and then you can like then you can dedicate a very few number of resources to actually winning. Yeah, and that's and that whole like divergence of that is the whole reason why I'm I at least try to be very open when it comes to just deck ideas in general. Uh, just because another commander is able to do something quote unquote better doesn't mean that there isn't merits to what you're trying to present. You're presenting a new idea, something that may or may not be explored or understood as much. That doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't have merit. Absolutely, and that's the, that's that's half the reason why I wanted to start this podcast. Um, is because I think that there are a lot of ideas that deserve to be explored and deserve to be understood. But everyone goes, "Uh, but my partner commanders uh, drop me a million cards in the command zone, and also <laughs> in the game. So why would I want to play uh sloppy bile piper in the command zone or whatever?" <laughs> but did- so I'm gonna tie something into that. If yeah, I'm, go for it. Go uh, for it. I'm gonna. This tickled me. Uh, I think it was it's either Thursday or Friday. I saw saw this. So I frequent. I troll around in the the Kenrith Discord, and I joined it a couple like last year, mid mid year sometime. Joined Something it like that, yeah. right as Displacer Kitten was getting spoiled. <laughs> so I was curious. I was like, oh, what if what if there's some tech floating around with this card? And I was the first person to to ask any questions about that card that I saw. Um, and I was immediately. I was playing at the time. I was playing it with like Spellseeker. I was playing a couple of other piles like with Trinket Mage. Um, oh yeah, this was so I could play like Tormod script lines and stuff. Yeah, version one. Um, and uh, I was told that I should not be playing Displacer Kitten um, because it was a four mana card that didn't does nothing. Um, you have to have another card in play for it to do anything. Um, it's easy to interact with, and um, it's just very inefficient. Okay. Um, and then I was literally told I should be running Wheel of Fortune instead of Displacer Kitten. <laughs> they were like, cut Trinket Mage, that card sucks, which I don't disagree with. I had it, I was running it for a while because there's some cool lines you can do with it. Um, at the time in our meta, uh, we had a lot of rule of law running around. So playing lines that could be played on a, like a delayed timer were really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, Permanent-based strategies were really good. But uh, I was told to cut Displacer Kitten because Wheel is better. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, don't, I don't know about that. Oh, God. Got very salty are we, we going to bring up Wheel of Fortune now? Because that's... That's a card that is defined by the philosophy of the deck that you're going for. Oh, well, we need to talk about it in the one second. Let me yeah, finish. I was just going to say, so cut forward to uh, later later this, that same year. So last year, end of the year, I rejoined the Discord. Just started just like lurking, reading other people's stuff. Because honestly, like all of the server discords for established decks are toxic. I've been in a couple of them. And a lot of like you were what you're saying, established strategy. And if you're diverging, you're dumb. <laughs> Until until there's like something that's been posted, and then all of a sudden, oh, why aren't you playing this? If you're not playing this, you're dumb. It's like, okay, whatever. Anyways, 
Now everyone's on Displacer Kitten uh, with some variety of, or another of line, whether it's a Dockside line, whether it's uh, a Teferi line, whether it's this, that thing, or the other thing. Something else that I had seen other people bring up was Deadeye Navigator. Really good card. Has a lot of utility. Very strong. I had seen this card get shot down by a bunch of people in the Kenrith Discord as suboptimal. Like, you could play it. It neoforms off your commander. I guess it's okay. Um, but it's not very good. Why would you play that when you could just play Emil instead? Anyways, cut to last week. Uh, <laughs> Last week, beginning of the week, I I see um uh, I see a line that says uh, Emil does nothing. I've cut it from my list. I'm replacing it with Dead Eye Navigator. <laughs> but, uh, Emil's just a dead card. It's bad. Something that I have been saying for literally over a year <laughs> since Displacer was printed. I was like, Emil's a bad four mana card. It does nothing. Requires you to spend three mana um, and have another thing to flip. Yeah. Uh, crazy thing about Displacer Kitten, it doesn't get removed because it can flicker itself yeah, if you no, it, it, interact with. It, yeah, it's easy to remove. It flickers rocks. If you have the like, counter spell, I guess. Like, it's just it's just a useful card. It's it's a much more useful card, and if you're desperate, it pitches to force. Emil doesn't do that. Best thing it's got going for it is it's a 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> Kitten can't compete, that, I guess. That, <laughs> hey, that, that's a relevant stat line sometimes. It is a relevant stat line, but not as much as like winning the game and your card being good generically right anyways that was at the beginning of the week cut to the end of the week same people i have cut dead eye navigator from my list all in on cat lines <laughs> dead eye navigator was not doing enough and i'm just like holy shit i wasn't didn't i say this like like over a year ago at like, this like point you, like this place are getting just better right it's us and you're like i man i'm feeling a lot of emotions right now i got told my <laughs> deck is garbage even though it's very much not <laughs> I like the Wheel of Fortune line is something that we still meme about today. It is an iconic is, meme in our group. It is such a good meme because I, somebody would be playing a card that we're like ah, mid on and be like, just play Wheel of Fortune. Is, why are you on our Wheel of Fortune? Um, <laughs> oh, God. Wheel of Fortune. Uh, as a Rakdos player, that card, you either live by that card or you either die by that card. I don't know. Wheels it, Wheels are a card, are card archetype, I guess. Um, it's like four, or there's like three playable wheels. Wheel of Wheel Fortune, Fortune Windfall, Windfall Twister, Twister, uh, um, Slash Echo of Aeons if you're playing No Proxy or if there's a reason to like have Flashback yeah, or whatever. Yeah, uh, and Wheel of Misfortune um, to some degree as well. Wheel of Misfortune and Dark is like, Deal? A, I wouldn't even call that a wheel necessarily, it's like card yeah, draw. It's, dark, yeah, deal, dark Deal, the Esper, I've seen some, I've seen some builds with, yep. with Dark Deal and Esper recently. Um, uh, or even even Rakdos, I've seen yeah, a couple so people like, on so Dark like, Deal. Like four to, four to six um, wheel cards. And then if you count uh, Memory Jar as a wheel, that card's also true, played. True, true. Uh, time Spiral's fallen out of favor a time lot. Spiral has, it's hard to get to six mana. Yeah. It gets countered so you don't untap your lands. It, it, like, it needs a mana drain, and you're only, on average, you're only ever untapping like three lands with it, so you're not really getting the full benefit of it. Uh, unless you're like a, yeah. a diehard like, high tide deck. Uh, even then, I feel like there are better cards to probably run that spot. But anyway, uh, like commonly, like three or so played wheels. But my my whole gripe and grievance with wheels is you have to be set up to take advantage of them in so many ways because it's 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 a card that asks you, do you understand your step one to step two? Yeah, where's your transition? Yeah, where's point? your transition point? Because if you are wheeling and passing, you are throwing the game. <laughs> Truly, very few times have I seen wheel pass and the person who cast the wheel won. Usually, it is their seat two or their seat three that ends up winning that turn cycle. Um, yeah. Or uh, you're doing wheel breach lines, in which case, congratulations, your breach resolved, and 
you have your pieces out. It didn't matter what you were going to do with that breach. These are just the cards that you happen to throw in the deck to make that breach line work. Um, breach yeah. lines and mana stinks the command zone operate uh, in similar brain space for me because they function the same. Like if they're going to get there, they're going to get there. It doesn't really matter how you get there. Like they're, they're going to cross the finish line. Uh, you know, you're sink at the command zone, barring Jessica, which is a true win con in the command zone. Like Thrasios, for example, will find you the thing that actually puts the win on the stack. Whether it's a repeated bolt or an overrunning finale or, or, or something or like, like that. any any other like naturally occurring win con that you have in the deck. Exactly. And I think but I think it's really important to note that even with those those breach wheel lines, like because we have a we have a Tim to Jessica mm-hmm. uh player in our meta. And they, um, I've, they have it in that they have that line, or at least they did in, in a couple of. They never go the for it. I, I don't think they never go for it. I don't think I've ever seen them cast a wheel like, and then try and breach with that, unless they're under silence or rage captain or something like that already. Yeah. Like almost never. It, it, again, um, in which case you are going to get there regardless. Exactly. Like there, there's no such thing as that that unprotected win, and that's um, that's why protection spells are in such a good spot. Very, right now. very. Like, they're good. truly at very, a premium. I saw somebody playing mandate of peace at the last tournament i played and it was or i guess it was two tournaments ago but somebody played mandate of peace against me and i was blown away because i had completely forgotten about that card they're like i'm gonna attack with my timna uh, they're playing timna armix they're like i'm gonna attack with my timna i was like okay cool whatever um draw my card uh draw my card um go to leave combat before i leave combat what the hell this mandate card of seems peace. crazy for timna decks right now yeah, for anyone who's not familiar with it, um, it is a silence for one and one white. Uh, it ends the combat step. It can only be cast during combat, and um, it silences your opponents. Uh, it's insane, especially in a deck that's like like low on interaction on the stack. Fantastic way to protect your win. It also deletes Kiki combos, can delete Najila players' combos. It actually interacts really well with a lot of stuff. It could keep you alive if you're being swung at for lethal. It, it If something is on the stack during combat, if you could find a way to bait out somebody else's attempted something, you can end the combat step, mm-hmm. which then exiles everything off the stack. Um, so Mandated Peace actually never goes to the graveyard because it gets exiled as it resolves. But it's just one of those cards where it's like, this card synergizes with my list really well because I'm in black and white and can't really interact on the stack. But you know what I can do? I can protect the hell out of my win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were also on like Urza, or Urza's Battlethopter, like Shimmermere type lines. So they could also Whoa. win, like add instant speed. So like in your combat, do that whole like win instant speed thing. In your combat, mandate of peace. End the turn. You do not get Timber draws. This, this um, guy's cooking. I'm going to exile this. Uh, your second main phase going to flash in uh, Liberator is this Battlethopter, uh, which is just Shimmer Mirror, but also you can cast Colorless Spells. And I'm going to win the game, whatever my loop happens to be. I think they were on, like, Walking Ballista and Bomberman lines, which is sweet, because that does go off at instant speed. If you can cast the LED with Flash, mm-hmm. like, I'll make infinite mana, and then I'll, I'll uh, flash out my Ballista X equals a million and kill you all. Sweet deck. That's sweet That's deck. very sweet. Also, uh, I'm pulling out some old old school reconnaissance text, uh, tech, uh, uh, tech. Your end of combat is still part of combat. So you can, oh, you yeah, can, get, you can get your Timna draw because you hit, and then after damage is declared, there is an end of combat step. You can act during yep. the end of combat step and end the combat. Oh, that brings me into necromancy tech, but we'll cover that a different time. Ah, but yeah, that's, that's a that's, card I've started yeah, that's, exploring. That's, 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 you, you presented that tech to me. I'm just like, holy shit, this card is wilder than I thought it was. 
it's it's pretty insane yeah uh, but we'll, we'll cover that one a different time that's a, that's like a deck tech episode right that, there that that is a deck tech episode uh right there so okay uh if we're if we're in the realm of win cons and deck building philosophy i mean faithless being layered debate is ever ongoing true very true there's a lot of um, there's a lot of decks out there that'll just like basically pack all of their win cons in there. Like, uh, what is it? Uh, a lot of Kenrith players say the deck is a win con tribal, which it more or less is. True. Um, true. You're you're playing every win con that you can possibly fit into your strategy most of the time. Mm-hmm. Most of the lists do. And then uh, you and since because a lot a lot of pieces layer, uh, you'd be like, ah yes, I'll use my LED and my Luris and my Dead Eye Navigator to go make infinite mana and win the game because you can. LED cracks for three. You can cast it with Luris's ability. You crack the LED for three more. You flicker the Luris, uh, and then you recast it because it's a new Luris, right? Mm-hmm. So there's pretty cool tech there, like Displacer Kitten-esque tech with that. Um, or you can like use a Dockside and a Dead Eye Navigator, or you can use a Luris and a Displacer Kitten and a Petal or an LED to make infinite mana, or you can like Breach and all these other things, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can just play really, really concentrated win conditions and focus all of your resources on getting there as fast as possible or making sure nobody else can get there before you do where you're playing like Thoracal Consult and that's it. There are a number of decks that I've seen where it's just like Thoracal Consult, maybe a Lab Man or a Breach Package or something like that. It's like one of those, like maybe maybe two win conditions that are separate. Some of them, like Demir lists mostly um, because their commanders don't really, for the most part, have secondary win conditions that are can be very specific to the commander. Or good enough. Um, and they don't have access to red. Um, they're just like, we are on full send Thoracal and it's going to be either as fast as we possibly can. Or you're not resolving anything a, into me right yeah, now. Yeah, we're going to play a really hard, like, no. 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 Like, control-style game. And I, I think I think that whole, like, A plus B in the layered, uh, like, debate, that that kind of is the heart of, the uh, of like, at least to me, deck-building floss, because I pretty much every deck that I draft up, I make sure I have at least some form of two-card combo, whatever that is, but these two cards, if they find each other, they win the game, uh, if those cards are generic enough and have enough utility, even better. I will usually opt for that package. Uh, hashtag Sawn Half better than Twin Flame in anything <laughs> in anything that can play Sawn Half and Twin Flame uh, and Dual Caster. Just straight up. My only regret is that Spellseeker does not. Oh, just give me the three mana. Give me the three <laughs> mana Spellseeker. I'm in. Like I'm holy so in. Shit, that card would. I'll pay five mana for it. I'm not. I'll be real with you. I'll pay five mana for that card. Oh, yeah, because you're reanimating it in, so you're not paying five Shh, mana. Don't tell anyone <laughs> that. It's fine. <laughs> um, but usually, usually. It's starts with that and then i try to explore uh like something more more subtle uh more kind of the game as it progresses these pieces are naturally finding themselves i'm playing them uh i think that's why i like spellseeker lines uh with uh displacer getting so much because a lot of those cards that make the combo happen your eternal witness your spellseeker your luris um like those are cards that you're gonna just play because they're good and they have decent enough utility that also when the stars align, aka Displacer Kitten hits the battlefield, like it translates to a win pretty handily. You wanna know what, know what makes me sad? What's that? Being told that I'm playing bad cards. Ah, yes. I was on Eternal Witness. I've been on Eternal Witness. I've been told this card is useless and that I should cut it, that it is a slow regrowth effect and not good multiple times. And we've been we, we've talked about the Cloud Shift combo in a previous episode, and I'm sure we will again, so I won't cover that one. But I just wanted to bring up that there was a deck, a Kenrith deck that recently won a major tournament that was playing Eternal Witness. And I just, 
I just want to throw that one out there. That <laughs> the card is good. You, you can't you can't displace your kit and flicker a regrowth. You also get got by ninety percent of the counter magic in the format where you're playing specifically the card regrowth. You know what? Eternal Witness doesn't crumple to dispel, miscast. True, true. Like do you, you, do know you have the you force of will? You, know do you, you have the mana drain? Do you have the delay? You know what regrowth effects? You can't cast it into speed. Which regrowth? That that is regrowth. that is very true. You know what? You know what? The one instant speed regrowth effect that is commonly played in the format. We're not going to talk about Paradise Lost. Um, you know what? You know what? Noxious Revival puts it on top of your library, which means that you have to draw, you have to draw a card. it. You know what? You know what? Instant speed regrowth puts the card back into your hand and sets you up to win the game at instant speed as well. Uh, Necromancy, <laughs> a, Necromancy, uh, eternal, witness. eternal witness. No, that's that's true. That's very true. <laughs> um, but I I ever in. I, I touched on this in episode one when we were covering win cons, but like just tunneling in on the A plus B, like Thoracle Consult is the only thing this deck cares to do. I think that's fine. Like it, it is proven time and time again that that is like a potent strategy that you can do well with. But that potency comes from how linear that is. And once you know how to play around it, like it kind of loses its allure, at least to me. It just becomes like another thing. Personally, I think it gets it gets it gets stale. Like there's there's no dynamics to it. Like oh, they had the the endurance, or oh, I got turn the earth, or whatever. Is it very good? Absolutely. No, it's it's super. Can't deny it's, that Thoracle's no, good. I will never say that it is bad. I think I think I might have said it's bad in the first episode. I can't. It, it probably maybe that sounds like something I would say. Um, but when <laughs> I say bad, I mean in the context of like there are there are contextually better things that you could do. Um, that play Absolutely. around different things that don't cause you to lose the game because you step one and step two wrong uh and that and that's that's where a lot of my frustration with the a plus b combo like tunnel in is is like you are only doing this if you get stopped you are dead and i'm just like that seems bad because you're gonna you're gonna yeah. you're gonna get interacted a non-zero amount of times and what happens when you get interacted those times you have no chance of redemption you will also just win a certain number of games oh, because you just have it absolutely. or you've tried for it enough times and you just get there, that's, right? That's but the other half that's, of it. You're, you're going to you're yeah. always fluctuating to two extremes. Hence why the mid-range singularity pulls everything into the center and you cannot escape it. True. true. Um, but um, yeah, I, and that's, and that that's where Chainer comes in as like a, a very different Rakdos deck. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Chainer. Yeah, attacking on a very. Yeah, we'll talk about Chainer in its own it, in own video. Very different access. Good deck. Yeah. Good deck. Good, good deck. Um, um, but it's it, it's it's that I don't know. I guess like utter repulsion I have to this hardcore linear strategy when we have a vintage card pool available, and I get that it's the best thing that you can do. But a deck is so much better when it has way more tools at its disposal. We have the most cards of all the construction constructed magic, and you want to play three cards that are very 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 good and i'm just like you have so many more slots that are way more potent and way more flexible make use of them definitely i think that there's also a lot to be said for like i think it's been mentioned by many people many times but i'll throw this one in the pool since we're talking about it is like rogue deck construction it's very useful if you're playing a card that no one's expecting or you're playing a combo that people just don't know what it does like that that sometimes you'll just get there and, and along with that demonstrate the loop until like everyone knows it's a loop like if you're doing um if i'm doing trying to do some sort of like displacer combo and people haven't seen it before it'll be like okay uh like 
go off. Like, I know they're sitting on a fluster storm and they're like, let me do my things. Like, yeah, I'm going to do this. 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 And finally someone will catch on. I was like, is this a loop? You're like, yeah, sure. Uh, I'll demonstrate a loop. And, but now you have like 19 mana floating and you're like, all right, sure. Uh, you can interact with me now. I'll go find another one. Or, or you found your own fluster storm because you have spell seeker in rotation and you have, yeah, exactly. you have packed backup. Yeah. People, um, people are, are not quick to, a lot of people don't, know all the all the metadata they don't follow a lot of the obscure combos they're like oh yeah historical is the only thing that can be done or it's like when i know what window does it puts stuff into play and it hits me and resolves stacks pieces mm-hmm. it's like yes that is true there's dynamic to strategies like maybe you're maybe you're playing winota in the 99 of your of your rock or shit. of your Holy you're playing winota in the 99 of your your jet your deck like oh my god <laughs> just dumping we, shit into we play have a, we have a we have a couple of rocco players and i saw some one of them just like have just like rocco stuff on the board and then they just went winota on the stack and i viscerally utterly audibly went what the fuck <laughs> and, and i'm just like cool so if this spell resolves they win the fucking game dump everything into play yeah, yeah. no it's just oh 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 put their moonbus cleric into play that's a half elf so it's an elf and a human <laughs> it's gross it's, it's so good <laughs> okay here, here, here's another here's another fun one uh synergistic cards versus staples in in every deck i think there is absolutely a balance to be achieved staple cards are staples for a reason if you are playing a blue deck and have access to a force of will run the force of will there is no argument against that even if you are on like the tightest of blue pips in your deck run the force of will yeah it's free it's, it's, it's not free. Attacks your, your pips. Yeah, uh, force of negation yeah that there's there's room in the argument for that there um uh, some lists, yeah, yes, some, some lists, lists some lists yeah. want it some lists uh can't afford it and that's i think totally fine but like at least like force of will uh yeah no like run that shit uh like if you're in black you, you play the tutors imp seal is one Same thing is one of the more niche ones um that i think fits into that like force of negation like discussion of like yeah contextually it's really good but like is it an auto include sometimes other times eh, not really i mean I, people will tell you imp seals an auto include i i don't know sorcery speed for a vamp tutor i could just play like something that draws me more cards it seems like it might be better yeah no like it's it's it, but it's again it's totally contextual i think in deck contextual I, in tim to malcolm i'm gonna play imp seal every oh, time yeah i i think if you were in a timna deck imp seal is just as mandatory as vamp tutor it is it is tutor to hand yeah it it's, is it's tutor, one yeah. black put it in your hand but yeah, then, you, really then you have other synergistic cards. Uh, let's see. I don't know what's what's a good one. Okay, this is this is where it gets hard for me to describe like synergistic cards because that is context dependent based on the commander. Uh, I think actually no, I just thought of a good one. Uh, um, uh, Training grounds in Thrasios, I think is a prime example of a synergy card. Like you don't play this deck in any you don't play that card in anything else besides like Thrasios decks. Uh, I guess Springleaf Drum with Rograk decks also comes to mind as well. Absolutely. These kind of like payoff cards. Like this, like I'm able to play these cards because I have A or B in the command zone. Like this is- Seedborn Muse. Seedborn Muse. That's a synergy card. Fantastic example. God, I wish I could consistently run in the dinosaur. <laughs> it untaps your dinosaur, isn't it that It untaps the dinosaur, which is, which yeah. is it, it's fine if I have a tap effect out on the battlefield. If I don't, I never want to see a Seedborn Muse. Absolutely. I think, um, I think, you can also look at synergy cards as like cards that are going to be in your main deck that are going to interact really, really well together. So like, for example, Oh, here's okay. Here's one that, that actually is, is good is um, this, there's this new card coming out um, from March machines called fairy master. Oh, yep. 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 
Fairy Mastermind uh, is a triggered ability. Uh, whenever an opponent draws their second spell of a turn, uh, you draw a card, um, which is a strong card. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of debate about which decks want to run it, which decks uh, it's a trap in. But uh, a good example of a synergy card would be a wheel in that deck, um, or like Notion Thief in a wheel. Um, yep. Is you those those are synergy cards, right? So like Notion Thief is that's probably going to win you the game. And that's the difference. There's like a there's like a, a slider on the strength of those synergies, but uh, but those, those would be a synergies because if you wheel and there's a notion thief in play, you're gonna draw 21 cards, mm-hmm. right? If you or if you wheel and even if there's just a mastermind in play, you draw 10 and all your opponents are only drawing seven. That seems really good. Yeah, that's yes, because it, it moves the advantage back towards you. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I yes, can, I can definitely get around that. Um, I'm going to keep referencing dinosaur until the day I die, but like there's a fun, there's a lot of like fun payoff cards in dinosaur that I get to run like bolt bend and stubborn denial. Like any, any, any commander that has bolt bend, a sweet oh God, card. bolt bend is so it's just, it's just second SWAT and SWAT's already one of the most powerful interaction spells in the format. You're going to spike the price on that oh. card. It's all, it's only like 50 cents that's, right now. <laughs> that's fine. Everyone deserves to play that card. But uh, like, I, I think um, like stubborn denial and bolt bend type effects, I think are worth exploring if your commander has that like, power uh in in the command zone that like gives it the benefit it, again it's it's like spring leaf drum in your in your rogue rack deck like you get to play this card because your commander allows you to do these things that's where i think where a lot yes. of the synergy comes in because I, I i think index synergy like main deck card synergies i think that spirals more closer to packages and maybe lines but that that i think is a different school of thought uh in, i can see in, that like reanimate for example if you're running reanimate there's a good reason to run entomb and then some sort of creature to like entomb reanimate with it or even if you're just on entomb reanimate just because they're kind of generically good cards say you're in a breach deck for example like there's decent argument to run like an entomb reanimate turn one target you know like sometimes Absolutely, like con- yeah. consecrated sphinx oh my god if you entomb reanimate a consecrated sphinx on turn one you have won the game that yeah that sounds disgusting of course that's when rogue is going first and they like deadly rock oh it, yeah but, you of know. course <laughs> that's the one game where they're like yeah uh rogue missed my land drop and yeah no well, like, with, like, a, with a mono red player reanimate it and they just with a mono red player <laughs> has the red blast for the consecrated sphinx oh yeah uh, but like, yeah, like ideas really like that you know like there are there are reasons to play a lot of cards that i think are very underexplored absolutely no bolt bend is uh every single time i have bolt bend in my hand and i have a dinosaur on the battlefield i'm like oh yeah I love ha- I love running two swats. Talking about deck building philosophy, here's a good one for mm-hmm. you. Um, how many win conditions are you playing in a deck, and what dictates that? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. So the deck that I have the most like brew power put into, and just most brain power put into, is Chainer. Um, so I'll, I'll just use that as an example. But I run two actual win conditions. I'm defining a win condition here as something that, if resolves, wins the game. Um, and those two things being dual caster, uh, and necroticus, like those are the ways that they win the game. Technically necroticus, the card that wins the game most frequently is Mog Fanatic, but, um, usually it's those two. And then there's, there's a, there's a bunch of like kind of flow charty spider webby win cons that those allow themselves to do. Um, the deck also makes use of underworld breach as a way to find those pieces. Um, again, that's kind of that example of. If your breach resolves and you have your parts, it doesn't matter if you have the LED and the wheel because you were resolving a breach anyway. Exactly. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Uh, I think I use an example of like a window and a rock. Like if the rock gets through the window, it don't matter 
it just doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, like the rocks through the yeah. window. Uh, but generally, I hover between like two, uh, two to three, depending on the deck. Uh, uh, cards that will actually win me the game, and then a bunch of other like support pieces to either find it or uh, resolve it, or kind of like that flowcharty spiderwebby type of thing. Dockside and Mayhem Devil and Chainer, for example, that is like Plan D, I think in the deck. I think I, I haven't actually sat down to chart out all of the ways that deck can win. Um, but that is one of like the pocket things of like I'm just gonna resolve Dockside triggers a lot and have a Mayhem Devil, and then I'm just gonna swing at you guys because I have done like 15 points of damage to everybody. Right. So aside from combat damage, but I I think. So for me, I... Um, You're on a lot more win cons than me, though. No, I'm not. That's the thing. It's like, I'm a big fan of the spiderwebby, like, weaves together type deals. But I think, um, realistically, I play... I think I play, at least in my my main deck, I play three win conditions. And I'm, I will never go over three win conditions. Because after that, things start to get really diluted. Like, you can't layer effectively after three. And even at three, things, I feel, can get tricky. And, like, even going into three, like, sometimes I'm like, why am I running this card? And then I, like, play a game. And I'm like, oh, that's why I'm running this card. <laughs> but but even then, it's like, there, there are times when I question, like, how strong is this really? Um, or is it just to enable this other, like, one win condition? But, so I'm on I'm on dockside loops, mm -hmm. which I count as one. Mm -hmm. Because they all require a dockside. Yep. Um, and I'm on um, dual caster, mm -hmm. and then I'm on uh, displacer loops because mm -hmm. displacer doesn't need a dockside extortionist to win. There are two or three other things you can use, but it's it's that type of deal where it's like I'm never going to play when I assemble a deck. My philosophy is I'm going to decide on somewhere between two and three win conditions because two because I'm at least for me I'm not going to play a deck that only plays one win condition whether that is Thoracle Labman or like kiki combo or something else i'm playing a deck that is going to have at least two because if one of my pieces gets exiled to like somebody jams a rest in peace at a very inopportune time and it's either already in the bin or like my hand gets wheeled into a dothy or something and i'm not getting those pieces back i can't win the game short of combat damage it's, it's making your deck still live yeah it, it's a, that resiliency effect which i'm a big fan of the resiliency factor and so i will always play at least two but sometimes three can be good if you can make your deck weave and layer really well mm. where it's like i'm on a mayhem devil dockside loop in kenrith because that wins the game uh and it's really efficient and mayhem devil's a great card dockside's a great card that wins with other pieces as well but i'm also playing like dual caster saw but dual caster saw can also win the game even without combat damage if you have like a mayhem devil in play and one thing to sacrifice because you can make a billion mayhem devils and crack your lotus petal and then kill everybody right yeah. so there's that, yeah. That that whole idea, and then like going even further is like uh, displacer lions are great because you can win the game with Doxin extortionist, but you can also win the game with mayhem devil, but you can also win the game, and it just it just the list goes on. And, it, it, in in Kenrith specifically, Dockside uh, Sawn Half is so just like if you're on the Dork package, it's so disgusting. Uh, the, <laughs> I think like the week after uh, Sawn Half got legal, and we all were like playtesting the shit out of it. You went for you oh. went for dual caster <laughs> saw and i'm like okay everything's on the stack right it, was, it was it was in response to somebody else doing and, something. and i'm just, and i'm just like i'm surveilling the board and i see you have an ignoble hierarch that is not summoning sick and i went holy <laughs> shit we're dead here 
Yeah. Uh, do you want to walk through that particular line? Sure. So I, I came up with that one, and I call, I call it the I need a volunteer mm-hmm. combo, because, um, like, saw in half, showmanship, all yep, that yep, yep. shenanigans, right? But basically, so you do your execute, your your basic saw in half, just uh, dual caster mage combo, where you stick saw in half on the stack, hold priority, cast dual caster mage, ETB trigger, target your saw in half, saw in half your dual caster mage, uh, two, uh, two triggers, both tar- target saw, copy um, saw in half, uh, each of them targets a new dual caster mage. Uh, you make a billion copies of Saw in Half on the stack. And once you get to the point where you put th- like a billion copies of Saw in Half on the stack at the same time, you can start sawing in half more dual caster mages. But also, you can tap your uh, not summoning stick uh, ignoble hierarch for a red, uh, and then saw it in half, making two tokens that are copies of ignoble hierarch, right? You saw those in half, you saw those in half, and you like it goes off exponentially, um, which we love, we love that term, but it goes off exponentially, makes a like another billion, million, trillion, whatever copies of uh, ignoble hierarch that are all summoning sick. Then you use your one red to activate Kenrith's first ability, which gives creatures haste trample until end of turn. So now all of your mana dorks can immediately tap for mana. Oh, which look at that. Um, just assembled infinite mana and instant speed. Yo, that's crazy. Um, with my mana, my one mana dork. Um, and so at that point, if you have something, if you have another, you can hold priority on a, a dual caster trigger targeting a saw in half to like if you have a dork that taps for blue whether it's a birds of paradise a noble hierarch an arbor elf if you have an, uh, a tropical island in play or something like that you can um you can reanimate that with your infinite black mana that you've just made with all your mana dorks um and you can now uh stick that mana dork into play continue the loop because your trigger on dual caster resolves copying the saw making copies of that um again and since it makes infinite red and then you can go and deck everyone out at instant speed by uh using infinite blue or you could put like infinite power on your guys and like maybe find a way to do that or crazy it's, things. It's, there are a bunch of crazy things. Infinite mana. Like there are nearly yeah. infinite ways to win. You stick a lightning bolt on the stack and you can reanimate your dual caster. Hell, and now you can put if someone else puts a bolt on the, on the stack. stack, you can saw dual caster on the top of it and kill the table that I, way. I think that might have been what it was. Is I think somebody stuck a bolt on the stack, and that's what I what I went off the top over because that was my. Outlet. I think so. I, um, I I have attempted that line many a time, and every single time I've attempted it, it feels very good. I usually get stopped though because it's a wrong time, or I just there I just got got essentially. Yeah. But even still, just having that option is just, it's, oh even still just having that option is just great. Yeah, no, it's saw, saw dual caster. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm gonna fail the bad combo allegations because it's just it, it's great. It's, it's wonderful it's super fl- and both the pieces are super flexible super super flexible that's actually something that i'm surprised we haven't talked about um that's taken us this long to get to uh me and you are big proponents of the very simple idea of card quality up uh yes the idea of we we don't want to compromise the slots in our deck playing cards that are only good when we are already in a winning position or are trying to demonic consultation um or like the cards that are essentially win more. Like I think there's a lot of cards that people play are wi- that are win more in the format. Consultation being our shining example of that card. I, I don't know if that was win more, but it, it is a terrible card to play. It's it is, yeah, it is it, it's the quality of that. The card quality is of that awesome. card is good. It, it is only a good card when you are winning the game. And I think me and you shy away from a lot of those cards that are exclusively good in particular circumstances or when those cards find other cards uh twin flame i think 
skates by just because it has a decent amount of utility because at the very least it can copy a dock side which there yeah. is merit to doing at the very least that but cards that are more flexible more utility based are always going to win out over the cards that just win the game and do literally nothing else. And I, 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 Absolutely. I refuse to listen to the argument of uh, demonic consultation finds my force of will. Yeah, some of the times. Then you other times you lose the game because you put it on the stack when you weren't winning, and then you lost right, because right. you exiled everything. Oh, uh, nice, mean, nice, told... nice, nice one win con in Thorkel. You just exiled it, by the way. Good luck winning. That's I hope you got a crom really in the command tough. zone. <laughs> I've well, I've heard like dualcaster is uh, dualcaster saw is uh, it's it's slow. It's not as good as um twin flame yeah. and it's like yeah sure yeah. that's true but saw and half is a better card on the whole it's an instant it's it's three mana which is rough with spell seeker like mm -hmm. we mentioned earlier but like sometimes uh sometimes it makes two drainath magistrates when somebody tried to remove one and you just really need to make sure that nobody's breaching right yeah. now or sometimes it it replaces an opposition agent sometimes i've had this happen to me you go to combat for lethal and somebody saws in half your biggest guy removing it from combat and sure you get two of them but he's not a bad guy <laughs> That's a, and that's, that's really that sad. Sounds particular. <laughs> it was. It's a very particular time. I was swinging for lethal Kenra damage, <laughs> and I was like, "I will hit you for. I will attack." And this person had no walkers, so they were like, "Please don't." And I was like, "No, I'm going to." And they're like, "Okay, saw in half." And I still won the game on that turn because they used all their mana. Yeah, saw that to saw the Kenrith and live. Um, and I didn't remove my Kenrith. Like I was still able to like sink it and stuff, even through a Dranith Magistrate. But it was it was one of those things where it's like the card is just objectively better than Twin Flame in that respect. Yeah. It's like I'm going to make two of these, or I'm I really need counter spells here. I'm going to saw in half my my spell seeker in response to your spell, um, and get like my misstep, or and I'll also get like a pact of negation or like a cloud shift or something at that point. It's like now I just have utility. It's, right? it's just it's uh, disgusting. It's just gross. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, as our resident Rakdoser, um, I feel really powerful when I have both Dockside and Saw in Half when I'm doing anything like post peer or even like post oh, so or, or even post Nas. Like the whole point when I'm in that stage is like, okay, cool. How do I resolve both a Dockside, have Saw in Half available, and be also to and be also able to have this like third thing I'm also gonna do uh, that I'm gonna bait out interaction with, and then in response I'm gonna saw my do uh, saw my Dockside. To get two more dock sides and make another 10 mana just out of nowhere when you thought i was already pinned but i actually didn't yep. have a choke point at all i just need you i just need you to use your interaction interact yeah, yeah. i just need you to, do just need you to put your phone on the stack something well that and the sweet thing about dual caster once again card quality card quality um card quality up uh is uh if somebody else puts like their tutor on the stack like as a displacer deck if somebody puts a quarter Oh baby. I, oh baby or an, like an eldritch at, at uh sacking my uh my archivist or something i cannot wait to flash in dual caster mage copy your thing put my splacer kitten into play cast the thing flicker my uh my guy copy your cord again put my my spell seeker into play and just win over the top of you i will just i'll turn your maybe win condition maybe two different stack speeds whatever i'm gonna turn that turn my dual caster into a one card win condition because you attempted to advance your game mm -hmm. i mean also dual caster mage is mostly an uncounterable counter spell for the most for the part, most yeah, part sure. it is a great way to win a counter war it, yeah it also like you can like 
the dual caster combos go off through deafening silence. Like not not all rule of laws, sure. Um, in Kenrith they do because you put your spell on the stack and you reanimate your dual caster. Mm-hmm. But um, but like sometimes it's like deafening silence has been around since literally turn one, and you just go saw hold priority dual caster, make infinite guys, and now you have infinite mana, or you just have an army at the end step to untap and kill everybody. Yeah, card quality up for your win cons is always going to be good, and I I feel like this the format will is slowly moving towards that. Either that or well, we've heard it. For forever, we right? For like forever. Blue farm card quality yeah. up, um, five color card quality up, like, and, and that's true. Like a lot of those decks do play better cards than like one or two color decks can for sure. I played Urza for the longest time. Card quality in that deck is terrible. Like a lot of synergy, a lot of synergy with your lot commander, of right? But the the quality, I yes, I will cast my my Urza's bobble and it will tap for blue mana. That's fantastic. Yeah, I have two cards yeah, in my hand. That, that that's, your, that, that's your synergy. That's your payoff for being a Urza player is you are just going to run a lot of mock Sapphire type effects. Hey, did you know running a lot of zero mana artifacts that produce mana is a very good thing for a deck to do? Because it is. It's very strong right up until your opponent goes Dockside Extortion. And you don't have the counter spell. (laughs) Or Torpor or Or the Dress Down or or the whatever. Wanting to die, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a problem that plagues a lot of the lower uh, anything sub three colors like that problem plagues it is just you're 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 locked into certain colors. You're not going to have the freedom of other things. You know, if you're if you're without black, your win cons are going to be harder to find. You know, if you're without blue, you're going to be without a lot of protection most of the time if you don't have white to lean on for like stacks effects. If you don't have red, you don't have Dockside, one of the best cards in the format. Thankfully, I think. All, for all of their sins, Wizards has done a relatively good job of if they're printing lower colored legendary creatures or cards that can be your commander, unless it's like a commander specific product, they tend to make those cards stronger. Have they have stronger effects? Oh, absolutely. So you can play more highly synergistic cards. Absolutely. For example, Yuriko, Winota, great examples. Urza, great example. Like those cards have very very strong synergies with the strategies that they want to employ and with the cards in those colors which is fantastic um even though like the quality of those cards might be lower the the because of the fewer colors that they're permitted to mm. run and then then that's that's always going to be an age-old debate of like synergy versus individual card quality like that's that's a debate that's been going on longer than cdh has been a thing uh it, and it depends on the format. It depends on the deck, uh, card pool, card choice, all that stuff. But like, I I still think you know, like those low color, high synergy decks that have a lot of payoff are very potent in our CDH. I, I think a lot of people just kind of look at low color identity, and if you aren't, you know, Yuriko, Winota, I uh, Urza, <laughs> like like you kind of go, well, what are you doing? There's so many other cards you could play, and you go, well, yeah, but there are like. A, B, C, one, two, three, like all of these things that you cannot do <laughs> and you are going to be very unlikely to stop me because of the strategies that these commanders enable. I see fewer than three colors and I pretty much just click to the next page. Yeah, well, you're also like you. <laughs> you like you just played... I want it all! <laughs> you just played your first non-blue deck like the other week. Yep, good old Rurik there. We mentioned him episode one. Uh, that, uh, that, that, that was hella fun. It, 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 it did work, too. I'm very shocked work. at how well it did and how well it performed. I'm not going to lie, me too. I was like, this will take them out of my storm. And then it actually did, and I was like, I was not expecting this outcome. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's crazy. All right, I have a couple more I think I don't think are going to be super long and super in-depth conversa- uh, conversation topics. 
Let's hear them. Light and asymmetrical stacks pieces. Just run them. Play just them. Run them. Just play just run them. Just there's play there's them. no argument. Like if you're, are you playing, if you're, are you playing red black and you're trying to fill up slots in your two or three color list, play mayhem double. Yeah. Are you playing blue white and you are trying to fill up slots to your two or three color list? Just play Lavinia. Just just do it. It's asymmetrical. It's asymmetrical. Do if it. you are in white, there is literally no argument to not play Draneth Magistrate. If you are in black, there is literally no argument to not play Opposition Agent. Like they're yeah. they're yeah. Like, End of discussion. Like you play those. You, End of discussion. You, you play those cards. Unfortunately, those are those cards are, are what we would call, along with Mana Crypt and Soul Ring, and ninety nine percent of decks and auto include. They are unfortunately really good cards for a very good reason. They are really good yeah. at stopping other people. And the rates for them are exceptional. They are exceptional. I mean, like even even to like some lower degrees. Like if your deck can afford to play like Curse Totem and Graph Digger's Cage, just play them. Oh yeah, you can be on Breach, but like if you're if there's if Breach is not your primary game plan, play Graph Digger's Cage, my guy. Like that card is insane and hoses. I would add it's, a it's rough a estimate hose about eighty-five to ninety percent of the hoses. Meta. <laughs> so goddamn much. Graph Digger's Cage is like an absurd magic card for stopping for stopping and you get to play two copies if you're willing to wait a, t a turn or two urza saga puts that bad boy oh, right on yeah the it does yeah it does yeah no like just if you can afford to play these things that hurt other people substantially more than you and or are uh, asymmetrical just play them the end of discussion yep. and then the next yeah. one is uh is dorks versus rocks that's mostly a meta call, I'd say, and kind of a I, I, deck style. Yeah, and, and deck style. Um, I mean, there are. If you're playing Neoform, you should probably be on more dorks than you are. Absolutely. Rocks, if, on, if, for if, the most if part. If you're on blue green, you're playing Neoform. If you're on Neoform, you should be playing most of the dorks that are available to you. If you if you're in colors that can support uh, all of the color shifting green dorks, play them. Uh, if you are not, at least play you know Llanowar, Findhorn, and uh, Elvish Mystic, Running Birds Paradise. If you're in black, you're running Deathrite Shaman. Uh, if you have if you have access to the Hierarchs, play the Hierarchs. Avacyn's Pil Pilgrim. Avacyn's Pilgrim. Yep. <laughs> play the Avacyn's Pilgrim. Uh, if you have access to like Neoform type effects, it's just it's just good. Um, but even then, like it, it it depends on what you're trying to do. I think uh, if you are a deck that is on uh, Nas or Bolas Citadel or Pier, you're gonna lean more on the rocks just because you need those cards to play out your hands. Um, but even still, like if you want to like shave dorks for like rocks, like that's totally fine. It's just it's it's meta. Um, it's a it's a meta call. If you're fearing, if Dockside is like a huge prevalent thing for you, you're gonna lean more towards. Fewer rocks. You're gonna play fewer rocks. You're gonna lean more on more on dorks. If you're not, if you're okay with trading speed for for uh, the ability to to dodge Dockside, you can um, you can play dorks. If you want higher speed, even if you're in like blue green. I don't know what deck that would be, Kinnon. but if you wanted a higher speed, Kinnon, yeah, yeah. I mean, Kinnon plays both, but yeah, play more rocks. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I feel like that one's like, again, like, that's pretty open and shut. Like, the deck is going to, like, as you're building the deck, like, it's gonna, you're, you're gonna feel out, like, okay, I should probably be on more dorks or more rocks. Like, that, that's pretty easy, I think, to figure out. And then, it sounded like you had one more. Um, not really. Those were, those were the main ones. Um, okay. I, I had another one that's like, how much tech is too much tech? Oh, yeah, you did mention that. Yeah. Um, too much tech is when you can stop everyone from winning, but you can't close the game. Um, I have hit this wall many times. <laughs> is I will not lose, but I will not win I either. Like you just you <laughs> You just draw every game, and then you go play the next one. <laughs> no, I, I, oh, I love tech. 
I love playing these weird oddball cards. I'm like, oh yeah, but if 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 magical Christmas is a good gig, if, if 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 I'm in magical Christmas land, this card is sick as hell. Yeah, um, no, I, I agree. Like, if you if you have issues like closing out the game from like pretty commanding, pretty commanding positions, you, yeah, you're on you're on too much tech. But yeah. hey, I, but I, I, think, love, I, I love I love tech. I'll always respect the tech move over the win move personally. But that's just respect the tech. I respect Honestly, the tech. if your opponent sauces on you, you should just concede. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like if you get got by this card, you're like, oh fuck it. You're just you're right. Bow out. Yeah. Oh god, the, this Yuriko player is on like the 13 CMC card. Oh, like yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, I I have I have just about covered. Uh, all I want to cover. Yes, I think we've touched on all of the points that I had set aside to cover this episode as well. So mostly just make sure that you're, uh, if, if to, to distill the whole episode down to like two or three sentences, is assess your win cons, determine your play style. I guess flip those. Determine your play style. And if you're, especially if you're trying to pick a, a deck that will win, choose a deck that synergizes with your with your play style, so do your water definition test, whatever that happens to be. Figure out if you're like a control player, stacks player, turbo player, whatever that is. Choose a deck, build there. Once you decide on your deck to build, pick your win conditions. And then once you've picked your win conditions and chosen the commander to support those, make sure that you're uh, selecting cards that synergize with your commander, as well as cards that are just like staples and really strong. Uh, and then throw in a little bit of spicy tech in there so that uh, good opponents who are respectful that about hits what i would want to distill down to yeah i nailed it absolutely nailed, nailed it, it. chiching chiching right. thanks for joining us everybody thank you everyone for joining us here at mana on the rocks uh thank you for listening uh i hope you are having a fantastic day wherever you find yourself and we'll catch you next time